Hello, and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we proclaim with St. John that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We are your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. And we are uh, glad to be coming to you again this morning, getting ready to dive more into the great Gospel of John. Um, so, Thomas, any random thoughts before we begin? Uh, I... Just in the pre-show conversation, there were many things of, of dubious nature that, that, if taken out of context, could be quite embarrassing to Thomas. We and, do and love so context. Really, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say any of them, but I'm just kind of enjoying watching via the Skype Thomas squirm about the embarrassing things that he, he said that, <laughs> that really are perfectly fine if you understand what we're talking about. But if you didn't, it'd be, so, so But I'm not going to do that. But now that I've had my fun... That probably wasn't fun for anyone. No, that Thomas was really kind of embarrassed and his eyes got kind of wide for a little bit and there was a little quivering fear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't this? A, isn't it nice to see how they love one another? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so. Well, uh, <clears throat> trying to decide if you're the uh, pastor whom I love or the, or the Judas. So, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not Iscariot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go dive on in. We are in John chapter 14 and... and Thomas believes that we're supposed to start up again at verse 22, and I believe him. Yes, that is so, correct. So how about we just dive on in and talk some scripture? Okay, so, let us do so. Would you take a 22 through 24? Certainly. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, this passage shows a, a great distinction. Judas, not a scare the other Judas, is confused. How are you going to manifest yourself where we get it, but no one else does? Because, again, what are they hoping for? They're hoping for the, the great, big, earthly kingdom of, yea, you have Jesus running around and beating up people and slaughtering them. I mean, if 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 either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton becomes president, it should be manifestly clear to everyone that they're president. It should be obvious to everyone because they've won. Yay! How are you going to manifest yourself, Jesus, where it's not obvious to everyone? And Jesus says, well, <laughs> by the word. Mm -hmm. And this comes up to something that, that deals with the fact that we as Christians fundamentally see and understand the world differently than non-Christians do. And this is something that, that Paul points out in the beginning of Romans, where basically he says, look, the world exchanges the truth for a lie. It, it refuses to see the reality of what God has done and said and who God is, and if it doesn't believe doesn't believe the things of creation about God, it's certainly going to reject the, the manifestation of God's son for redemption. That sounded very technical. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point is, the, the world won't recognize Christ because it refuses to believe the word. And Christ comes to us, he manifests, he does all of his Jesus-y stuff, through the word of God. Is there a time, is there a place, O oh Thomas, where Jesus brings about all of his messianic, messianic, that's the word, messianic goodness 
to us, all, all the, the life and salvation and, and forgiveness, where he does that apart from the word. Yeah, well, there's that one. No, wait, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, it's only in the Word. It's it's only by the Holy Spirit taking the Word of God and working through it. This is the whole third article of the Creed thing. The Holy Spirit calls me by the Gospel, enlightens, sanctifies, all this stuff through the Word. Mm -hmm. And where there is no Word, you don't have Jesus at work and for redemption. And And more importantly, if you reject the Word, if you ignore the Word, if you refuse the Word... You're not going to see, you're not going to receive Christ. This is why the adage about uh, idolatry in the Old Testament all throughout was seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. That's, that's not saying uh, just, oh, well, they, 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 they were distracted. No, it, it's they refuse to see what is manifested in the Word. Does that track and follow? For sure. So, uh, also, I guess we should bring up one other aspect of that. Okay. Uh, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Um, again, there, the, the tie of, of your demonstration of, of loving God or your disdain of God it is very much drastically tied to how you deal with God's word. I mean, if the one who loves God... <laughs> who understands that Christ is revealed in the Word, is going to do what? Cling to the Word and pay attention to it. The one who doesn't care about God is going to not care about the Word. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that's, ju that's just the way it works out. It's not a matter of, of oh, well, well, if I cling to the Word, God will love me. No, 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 that, that's backwards. Rather, the reality is, if you actually love someone, you pay attention to them. <laughs> if you don't, you don't. Uh, my, my wife listens to me. Mostly. Some of the times. Uh, well, okay. Okay. I might complain sometimes that she doesn't listen. But, 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 but if I compare it to, like, say, Natalie Portman or <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Um. Have they ever paid any attention to me whatsoever? No, I, I find it highly, highly dubious that they have. You can just say no. Okay. And, no. and, and, <laughs> and you know what? I, I can say conclusively, they do not love me. They do not even think that they should even think to pay attention to Eric Brown. They, they don't even think that they should listen to the, the Gospel Boldly podcast. I mean, it's <laughs> out there. Right, right. I, it's just right there for anyone to listen <laughs> But conversely, my wife, who does love me, knows that at least she should listen to me. And likewise, I know that I should listen and pay attention to my wife, which sometimes can be hard to do when we're driving in the car and she keeps nattering. I didn't say that. <laughs> but, but I mean, there, there's that idea of, of we understand that, that if you love, the, the normal flow of that love is to pay attention. And that's the point that Jesus says. Look, the, the, the relationship that comes here, if we want to use that relationship language, is it's going to be through the Word. So be in the Word, folks. That track and follow? For sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's, you have any other thoughts, or shall we dive on in? Uh, nothing on this. Nothing on this. We'll keep going then. All right. All right, 25. Finish the chapter. Okay. We'll, we'll do this whole big chunk and talk it. Can do. These things I've... Huh? 
Right. Talk it. What, what, what happened to my use of the English language? Pay attention to the word, but not grammar. <laughs> All right. Read the whole chunk. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Now this is one of the uh, the texts that show up in the uh, in the one year lectionary. It's mm-hmm. a great gospel text, and there's a lot of stuff going on here. We've just heard this focus on on the word. Be focused on the word. Pay attention to that. But you know what? Um, even our understanding of the word isn't about us. It's about the work of the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas. Do you remember what that word helper is in Greek? Would it be paraclete? <clears throat> let, let me double check. Oh, 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 I just said it, but it will be. Hang on, hang on. Final answer. Oh, nope, it's not yet. Oh. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Yeah, it is. It is. I was hey. just in the wrong place. Psyched me ah, out. Ah. I am the miracle baby. Oh, oh, oh. Almost had a had a moment of just catastrophic interpretation failure. But no, 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 no. The word there in Greek is paraclete or parakletos, and it it got translated that way in King James, which I like. And this is a word that, especially in its verbal form, gets translated all over the place. Sometimes it's the helper. Sometimes it's the comforter. Uh, Paul, when he says, "I parakalo you." I, I verb form this. Sometimes will be, I exhort you, I urge you, I admonish you. Okay, Thomas, how in the world does help, comfort, exhort, admonish, urge, all get wrapped up into one word? What in the world is going on? Well, I mean... What yeah, I... is a paraclete? Well, legally speaking... Yes! Start legally. Legally oh, okay. speaking. So legally speaking, in, in my understanding and recollection, you have a paraclete being essentially the defense lawyer against the you know, forces that may oppose you in, in a courtroom setting. <laughs> the best way to think of what this word paracalo means, what, 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 the, what type of help the Holy Spirit is doing, is para is alongside of like parallel lines, mm-hmm. and kalo is to call, to speak. So it is the one who is aside you, alongside of you, speaking to you. Mm-hmm. It, it's your advisor. It, it's your, it's your, basically, think about what the defense lawyer does in court. Mm-hmm. He, he is the one that will help you. All right, here's how we file this. Here's how we do this. He's the one who comforts you. Don't worry. We've got this in the bag. He's the one who also tells you, okay, don't talk about this. There, there are times he instructs. All these things come into play, but 
basically the point is he is the person who is with you, who helps you to navigate and get through and understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Likewise, when it comes to our understanding of who Christ is, who the Father is, we have a paraclete. We have a helper. It's not that I, in my own wisdom, define and understand the great things of God. (laughs) It's the Holy Spirit makes me to understand. And if I'm going to understand the Word of God, it's a matter of the Holy Spirit working. And you get this. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance. Now, here's another thing that comes up. Remembrance doesn't just mean thinking back on the past and sighing wistfully. Okay. Uh, Thomas, has your lovely bride ever said to you, Thomas, did you remember to take out the trash? Uh, no. I've said that to her when I have been unable to okay, do okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. You said that to her. You said that to her. When you ask that to her, are you asking her to where she can say, ah, yes, I remember seven weeks ago I took out the trash. It was a, a lovely, lovely spring day, and it was so... No, no, you're saying no. right now is the trash taken out. Yeah, it's, it's a call that, to action if, if the action has not yet been taken. Absolutely. That remembrance is about present reality. Right. Uh, do, Lord, do, Lord, do remember me. Oh, yeah, I remember I used to like you many years ago, but now you're just going to die. Ah. No, no. So, so the Holy Spirit is the one who takes all this that Christ has done and brings it present tense to us now. He is the one who, who takes everything that Christ has done, so, so forgiveness, all that stuff, and pours it into us now through the Word of God. And that's a good thing because, well, we'll get to that after the break. All right. And we are back on the Gospel Boldly podcast. And at this point, in the show, we are now going to go to our happy special segment, The Backwards Life, where where Thomas will bring up some aspect of Christian life or living, and we'll try to look at it from a other angle, the opposite end of the angle, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something that was not very articulate. Today is a bad grammar day. <laughs> Why be articulate? We can just kind of mumble, blah, 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 blah. blah. You know, so what, know. what 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 shall we talk about today in terms of Christian living and vocation and adages about life that we should maybe think about anew? Well, I don't know how to put it properly in adage form. Maybe you can codify it in that way. But but the one that I would ask you to approach from a backwards perspective today is a situation many of our listeners find themselves in, which is the uh, the vocation, if you will, of a student. And whether that's college student, high school student, maybe you're in trade school even. There's any number of, I guess, classes or, or student can even take the form of not, not classes, but hands-on, et cetera. So, so taking the, the wide tag, what's a backwards approach to that uh, arena, if you will? All right. I, I will say this. Um, <clears throat> so often the platitudes about being a student the platitudes about being a student revolve around self-improvement, living out your dreams. Mike Rowe did a really nice thing about, about following your dreams and following your heart. It's well worth your time to consider. But so often we have this idea of, of you go to school to make yourself better. Is that an adage? Would that work? 
Sure, I'd take that. Go, go to school to make... No. You go to school to become a better servant for your neighbor. This will be the backwards approach. As a student, it's not just a matter of, I am doing self-improvement. Yay, I'm learning stuff I want to learn. No, the question is going to be, you are growing so that you can be a better servant, that you are being prepared for other vocations. Uh, Thomas, are there things that you learned in school? Oh, yeah. Uh, do they now end up playing out in how you serve your vocation as parent, husband, yeah, worker? For sure. And, and so what happens is, what we should do, I think, is rather than doing that, that utterly selfish, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to study what I want, the question we really should ask is, how am I being prepared to help others, to, to assist them, to, to make, make others' lives better? And what that does is that does change the way we approach our studies. Um, this is something that comes up um, I learned this while I was a student, while I was a, a vicar. Uh, I vicared in Palo Alto, California with Pastor uh, Stuart Crown, great wise man, and we would do daily matins. And the, the reading would come up, and he would, we, we'd go and we'd discuss it. Uh, matins sometimes might go an hour and a half because we'd spend 45 minutes tearing apart the text we just read and discussing. It was great. But he would always end that discussion with, all right, Eric, how are we going to preach this to Trinity? And I'd have to give him a sermon outline. And if it was too generic, he'd say, that's generic. You could go anywhere. How are we going to preach this to Trinity? And I'd have to make it specific. And what that really did was it trained me that even my own personal studies of the Scripture as a pastor, are not just for my own benefit. I, I'm a pastor. Those studies, those individual studies that impact me are to be in service to the people whom God has called me to serve. Mm -hmm. And that pattern actually plays out in everything. If I, if I learn to be a chef, my skills of a chef are meant to serve the people I cook for. If I learn about discipline and self-control, that is for the benefit of the people I serve. What you learn is for the benefit of your neighbor. So remember that when you go and approach your studies. It's not just an utterly self... <clears throat> we, we have so much of the language of self-fulfillment and find yourself and not... Well, no, as Christians, we realize our identity, who we are, is we are servants. We are given to serve our neighbor. And that plays out even in your studies because your studies are preparing you for life serving your neighbor. Is that backwards enough? Yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, oh, yeah. go find something you love and then figure out the way that that can go serve your neighbor. And that's the joys of life. Cool. All right. And if you can't find something you love, at least go find something that serves your neighbor and provides you an income. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Right. Woohoo! Backwards. Good. Well, this is easy. I don't even have to remember where we're at because we ended on the chapter. Did did we have anything well, else to talk about on that? that I, I do want section? to to bring up just a little bit more with with that. Okay. We we have that whole wonderful aspect of you know the Holy Spirit's going to come, and Jesus says, "My peace I leave with you." Now, does peace come up again later on in the scriptures? 
in, in John, I should say. Yes, it does. They get up and then they leave the supper. Now from here, they're basically walking out to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is still chatting with them. And, and all right, peace I leave with you. Really, I do. And then he gets killed. Mm-hmm. And they have no peace and they're freaking out. And then he rises and he shows up and appears to them and says, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. So basically, you almost have this the opposite, the, the fulfillment of this passage coming out in chapter 20. It's almost like uh, bookends coming in and out because this is what's the reality. Jesus is telling us all about what life is going to be like in the New Testament church, and here you go. And so Jesus says, hey, it's going to be weird. I'm going to be away. Kind of sad for you, but I, guys, kind of be happy for me. I get to be in heaven again. Yay, woohoo, awesome. With the Father. Woohoo, that's good. Gonna be weird for you guys, but don't worry, you'll get through it because I will send my spirit and let's go be about it. Cool. All right? All right. In that case, chapter 15. Uh, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, notice something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have this idea that if we are just good Christians, life will be better and easier, Mm -hmm. that there will be no hardship. Let's look at the options here. We have... Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Mm-hmm. The vine dresser. So that, that would be kind of a bad, I mean, if the, the branch is dead, you cut it off and toss it into the fire. That, mm-hmm. That's bad. Could we even say that might be painful sounding? Sure. But yet it's not a matter of, oh, if I'm a good little Christian, then there will be no pain and suffering in life. Because well, the next part is, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prune. What is the prune? You're still cutting on it. <laughs> right. And, and this is one of the things where, where, where don't let this be a, a, a temptation of, if I'm a good Christian, then everything's going to be sunshine and daisies. No, the reality of life in this world is there's going to be cutting. There's going to be hardship. It's going to be kicks in the teeth. But the difference is you, oh Christian, abide in Christ. So what you realize is that even when you come across hardship, you are being pruned. What's the purpose of pruning? To increase yield, to shape the tree so that it grows in a way that enables you to pick more fruit easier and there lose less to pests and other things. What's actually better for the tree? Oh, yeah. To be pruned or to not be pruned? I've I've been studying this because I've got uh, the start of an orchard out of my parents' house right now. So, yes, absolutely. Go on, go on. Talk well, it, about it. It's, it's as you say, it's beneficial and healthy for the tree. If you do not prune or if you prune the wrong way, the tree will grow up in almost a wild configuration and just at random. And so light will not be able to enter into the center of the tree. And there's that light thing in John. So I guess one could make another connection if you really wanted to push it, uh, which means the foliage on the inside does not get the sun. And therefore you lose yield because there's not as much energy entering into the tree. The branches that are that are not productive, because uh, on peach trees, for instance, the main productivity happens on the growth from last year. 
Okay. And so you have to prune in a way to maximize that growth, but also maintaining form and shape so that the tree does not collapse, the branches don't break, and you uh, you can reach in there and pick it easy. It's not a bush. There's, I mean, I could go on, but there's there's a lot to it. It's cool. So, so in other words, by being pruned, it means we are the the things in our life that would interfere with growth get broken and taken away and yeah that's not always necessarily pleasant but mm -hmm. it's actually good right mm -hmm. oh oh thomas are you saying that i still need pruning i mean yes <laughs> what okay. after all these years haven't i been pruned enough i mean can i just can't i just happily grow willy-nilly and just do what i want if the scriptures are true and cannot be broken i i, I guess no <sighs> Thomas, <laughs> but I mean, this is this is a, a great description of of our lives as Christians. It's always a matter of you know, we remain sinful people. We remain disordered. Um, one of the ways that you can actually think about sin is that it's a rejection of God's order. I mean, if, if everything were perfectly ordered, would you need to prune trees? I mean, I if, suppose not. If the trees just had a, a, a perfect sense of order, uh -huh. where they just grew exactly how they should, without any yeah. random variation, there'd be no need to prune. That's true. There'd be no need to fix. All sin is basically disordering, things messing up, things going astray. And so God's, you get the promise here. No, don't worry. God's going to help put you in line. Now, that's a good thing, but to my own sinful flesh, that sounds horrific. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because I'm both sinner and saint at the same time. And yet, in spite of this, to make sure that we don't think, ah, well, well, once I get the bad stuff pruned off, look at how great I am, Jesus continues. Oh, that's my cue. <laughs> <laughs> I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bear much fruit, bears much fruit. Finish the sentence. Okay. For apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> well, as evidence of the continual need for pruning and the lack of perfection <laughs> disorder, no, the, the, the point here is, look, it's not about you. It's you are in me, and you abide in me, and I in you, and that produces fruit. And you know what? The Father is going to work on smacking down the things that would hinder that, that would get in the way of that. And yeah, your sinful flesh is going to hate that, but you know what it is? It's good for you. Um, I think it is informative to understand as Christians that our good works are not really about us. They're, they're for our neighbor, and in reality, they're what Christ has done and brought up in us and through us. It's not so much by us but, or about us, it's Christ works through us. And does Christ ever stop? No, thankfully. Indeed, can God work through us even without us knowing what God is doing? Again, All thankfully. <laughs> and so, so what you have here is beautiful promise. Look, it's going to be wild and willy, and there are going to be times you're getting kicked in the teeth, but understand and know what God is doing in your life, O oh Christian. He is, in fact, working through you and bringing about his good through you because you are in me, you are in Christ, and that's the reality.
it's a great promise of comfort. It teaches us to see the world, see ourselves, our own lives in a different way. Not about us, but about God and our neighbor. Well, that sounds like, the, like something Jesus said elsewhere. Okay. Well, let's head on to break then and uh, see if we can be a little bit better ordered after the break. Probably, <laughs> probably not, but we'll see. Now on the Pruning Boldly podcast. <laughs> okay. I just discovered in the course of this show that Thomas has, since I've moved, become more of a, a, an expert in pruning, sometimes learning via the hard way. Mm -hmm. And so he was starting to tell a story, and I stopped him in the middle of it because I could tell where it was going, and I was right in knowing where it was going. So, Thomas, I want you to tell your story. We're going to talk about this because this is almost... I hate sermon illustrations, but I mean, this will almost work. So, so go on, tell, tell your story, O Thomas. Okay. So essentially what happened is uh, my wife and I were gifted a blackberry bush for our, uh, our anniversary this year by my dad. We put it in at his a place. A sign of your love. <laughs> just, just, okay. Okay. Yes. Just yes. Go on, go on. Okay. Um, it, well, so, so what happened is I put it in the ground not knowing anything about blackberries. I just like, figured, okay, we'll, we'll make a go of it, see if it survives. I'll just do this, you know, and, and, and go for it. And uh, it was planted. It thrived as, as much as could be told, except over the course of the next month or two, my dad noticed that the tree had begun to develop some wilting patterns on some of the leaves. And so he, he would Your water it. Your dad discovered it. Well, it's out of his place, but yes. So, I mean, okay, so he okay, sees it more right. frequently than I do. Okay. I don't have the, the apartment doesn't have, adequate room for, for a blackberry bush, unfortunately, and the uh -huh. geese would eat it anyway. Um, so, so every time I'm out there, I'm looking at this blackberry bush and yeah, it does have a wilting pattern to it. Good thing he's watering it. And eventually I come to the conclusion because the leaves are turning brown and yellow and drooping on some of the branches, not all. I'm thinking this thing's got to have a virus, a bacteria, uh, some kind of fungus that's affecting it. So, why don't I just cut the affected area off, get rid of that, hopefully spare the rest of it so that next year it'll be healthy and can do its thing. So I set the task, start pruning off these branches. And as I'm pruning, I'm realizing, man, these, the ones that I'm cutting off, unfortunately, they have just so much fruit on them, or at least, you know, incipient fruit, like fruit that's, that's coming to be. It's really a shame that I'm having to get rid of this uh, just losing all that production. Oh, well, at least next year the tree will be healthy and, and can thrive and, and have more fruit, ostensibly. So once that's done, I'm, I'm throwing all them away and I'm looking at the actual green, healthy growth, what I consider to be healthy, on the blackberry and just realizing, my gosh, <clears throat> there is absolutely no uh, fruit on these branches. I guess it's just going to be a fruitless year. Wait a minute, what are the odds that this is just the behavior of a blackberry when the certain branches and fruit. So I, I, I looked it up. I got a book and I discovered, and I, I've got the book here. Let's see. Oh, good, good. Um, Let's hear what the book says. Pay attention to the word, people. Yeah. I, I got a book on blackberries. It covers blackberries. And it says here under pruning, improper pruning of blackberries resulting in no fruit production has broken many a heart. And it goes on to say, 
that the the canes on a blackberry that are in fruit production, they're the second year canes, so they grow up the first year, and then the second year they bear fruit. They don't do much growing, but they put out berries, and the leaves wilt and die. And if you're not aware of this fact, you can end up pruning it off thinking it's a disease and losing in your entire production. Well, true to form, I really haven't had any blackberries this year because all of the growth that's left is the first year growth that'll fruit for me next year, I guess. But it, it was a sad thing that I was telling Pastor. <laughs> I have determined that the blackberry is now the official Lutheran fruit. Okay, tell me why. Be- because think about how things go in the world. One of the things that, that Luther points out is that the, the best works of Christians, the best works of God, are things that look horrific. Mm-hmm. When the disciples are dealing with Jesus and they want the kingdom and there to be glory, they want happy green growth, vibrancy. Mm-hmm. They don't want wilty dead branches. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they want a good, powerful kingdom. They don't want Jesus on a cross. And yet, where's their actual fruitfulness? On the tree. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and, or, or, or even in our own lives, just in terms of when do you actually have the most opportunities to actually show good love and care when everything is going hunky-dory and it's all great or when things go sideways and look bad and terrible. I mean, it's the you catastrophe in a way coming out of the true catastrophe. The, the times when I have seen the greatest love shown to me have been times when I've been going through rough spots. Mm-hmm. When things are looking bad, in fact, it's when I see trial and hardship that's when things actually that's when the good works actually fruit out and come forth that's true so so this is a slightly different analogy than what jesus is working off of because he's really dealing with grapes and not blackberries and they kind of work slightly differently but but from the blackberry image you get this whole idea all right so now we're going to go back to john and get the rest of his image nice nice i like that connection yeah yeah. oh it's great in john's case let's see here we were at five i think where were we? Okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, okay. So we get the idea of, of those that are unconnected to Christ end up in the fire. They wither away. But those who are in Jesus get to, like, grow, and then we get to tell God what we want. Right? Right. Or is that sure. not quite what it no, says? No, actually, no. <laughs> this, this is, again, one thing to bear in mind with the, we can jump to the, oh, whatever we ask, whatever we wish, it will be done for you. Well, the point is, if we're abiding in Christ... Who's shaping and guiding and directing what we wish? Christ is. Mm-hmm. So, when, again, this is one of the places where we get that, you know, ask and it'll be given to you. It's not a matter of, I want a pony. Well, no, it's, look, when you are in Christ, you will be rightly focused on things that are good. When you are in Christ, you will ask for mercy and love and forgiveness. And guess what God will do? give this stuff to you because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to give mercy and life. And that's what he will give. Even if, if to all the world it doesn't look like mercy and life. Even to the world it's like, oh, the blackberry is dying. This is horrible. No, no, no. God has given you mercy and life. Oh. Nice. Carry on. Okay. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. You want to keep going? What What is joy, Thomas? Ooh, that's deep, deep question. I, the Isn't first, it? The first impulse is it, it's a feeling of bliss and happiness, but it, it goes so much farther beyond that. We're going to come up with this, and this is really going to come, I think, more through the rest of the, the next chapter and a half even, is so often when we think of joy, we do think of, of happiness. But but what you have here describing joy as a fruit of the Spirit, oh, hey, hey, funny that. <laughs> we, we go from bearing fruit to, to one of the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, go. Hey, Thomas, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Um, off the top, mercy, peace, patience, kindness. Self-control. Self-control. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. The, the, these are the things that we pray for and get. Hey, okay. But, but just with that idea of joy, it's not endorphin rush mm-hmm. but rather it is the knowledge and the ability to see that all things are actually good in Christ despite what the world sees that's why you can talk about joy as something the world cannot take away we'll get to that in a bit so so but basically that idea when Jesus says I've I, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full look Remember and keep your eyes focused upon Jesus, and that provides a a, a security, a rightness, a, a a sense of understanding that's going on in the world. That is true joy. It's not just a matter of pleasure, but rather contentedness. Even the 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 joy of contentment, the joy of understanding purpose and reality, and 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 the truth of things. Mm-hmm. And there's a great joy in understanding that, yeah, Jesus has done it all. And can anyone change what Jesus has done for you, Thomas? Absolutely not. Can can anyone go and change the fact of your baptism? No. Can anyone change the fact that Christ has died and risen? Nope. Can't be taken away. This is the point. This is the reality. Remain here and there is always a an understanding of not happiness joy so carry on okay this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what i command you no longer do i call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all that i have heard from my father i have made known to you you okay now, now think about this. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. That is a, a common phrase that we've heard, right? Right. We, we do realize it's not just whistling Dixie. And it's not just ultimately, well, dying for it. But all acts of love and service are laying down of your own life. Silly example, Thomas. All right. Um, let us say the child wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and someone has to get out of bed and take care of the child. What are you doing? You are giving up part of your life and the way you would have your own life run, according to your own druthers, mm-hmm. for the sake of showing love and care to that person. Yeah. All 
love, all service is a giving of the self. And so any act of love is, in fact, laying down your life. And, and the greatest example of that is where you actually lay down everything totally, completely. And the point that Jesus is making here is, look, I, I'm not just talking about what you guys are going to do. I, I'm also saying when you go about and are living your life, it's going to be lived in the, I don't want to say shadow, because it's, it, it's going to be lived in the light of, when I have laid down my life for you. The highest reality is that you are loved by God, that, that God himself has laid down his life for you. You are forgiven and mercy, and that, that light enlightens everything else that goes on in your life. The, the command that Christ has given to you is to, you know, be about love. Not just you better love, but remember my love to you. It's not that we... It's not that we first loved and then got, oh, well, you know, Thomas is such a swell, I better, I better show him love. <laughs> no, it is a matter of we love because he first loved us, and that's the way this flows. Can you read through 17, and then we'll close up there, and that should work? Okay. Let me see. Where did I? Oh. <clears throat> uh, 16, yes. Yeah. You did not choose me, but I chose you and uh, appointed you uh, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. You know, God's going to work his stuff out. He's going to do it through us. He's going to end up showing his love to the world through Christ and then through us, through, through the proclamation of what Christ has done. And it's going to happen. So it's not so much this giant finger-wagging, you better do... No, no, no. Here's the reality. God loves the world, and he's going to proclaim that love through you. This, this is the reality. God, God uses you as his agent to enact love, both temporal and spiritual love, because you're in Christ, and that's just what's going to happen. The vine is in the branch, and what's going to happen is it's going to bear fruit. I don't have to yell at the... Well, maybe I yell at Thomas to not cut off the fruit, but I don't walk into the blackberry bush and wag a finger and say, you better bear fruit. No, no, that's what it does because that's who it is. You, O oh Christian, are in Christ. You are a forgiven, redeemed child of God, and as such, you will bring forth fruit because that's who you are in Christ. Enjoy who you are in Christ. Be aware of it. And don't be afraid when you see bad spots or, or hardship or danger because you are in Christ. Christ is in you. You are forgiven. And you are prepared for life, life now, and life eternally. Is that a good place to stop? For so, sure. Probably. All right. Have a good week. <laughs>